Welcome to Rinkside, your place for all things NHL, with your host, Tom Spink. Hi guys, welcome to episode two of Rinkside. I'm your host, Tom Spink. Um, just wanted to give a quick shout out and a big thank you um, as well to everyone who's followed so far. Um, if you haven't, hit up the page at Rinkside Hockey on Instagram. We're posting daily content on there, highlights, talking points, plenty of polls for you guys to get involved in as well. So just wanted to thank everyone who's followed the page so far uh, and kind of help contribute to the journey. It's going to be a long one, looking forward to it. And welcome to sort of the more meaty episode where we actually kind of get into the talking about ice hockey itself, um, everything that's kind of gone on around the NHL so far. And yeah, see how things have gone down in the world of the NHL. It's All-Star Weekend has just been and gone. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. My thoughts on the All-Star Weekend, where I think it could be improved, some of what people have said about it, as well as obviously the big moments, the winners. And we're also going to be running through our first top five of the top five series. So our goalies will be this one. We're going to be running through our top five goalies. We'll be talking about the goal of the week winner, our player of the week winner, as well as talking a little bit about the scores that have happened around the NHL and the standings. And I'm going to be kind of giving my predictions to where I think uh, each division will go, the wild card, and who will be making a playoff spot come the end of the season. So, start with the scores on the doors. And obviously, we only started um, on the Monday last week, so there was only a few games that went on. Uh, we're going to be talking about the games when it comes to scores on the doors on a weekly basis between podcast to podcast. So, I mean, some of the notable results. We're going to start off with my team, the Avs. Look, we've been absolutely flying this year. Obviously, a little bit biased. I think we're the best team in the NHL when it comes to one-on-one one one, uh, and game-by-game. Game. Obviously, record-wise, we have the best record in the league in terms of point percentage especially. Um, but the record's gone. 18 home wins in a row we were going for. Uh, but to lose to the t- a team like the Coyotes, it was tough. Um, it's never easy when you lose a game, especially when you guys have been on a run like that. We'd won 10 in a row. It was 18 in a row at home. We were trying to go for the record. The games weren't even that hard. Yeah, there was a couple of tough ones in there. You had Tampa Bay, but to lose it to the Coyotes of all team, and no offence Coyotes fans, but they're not a good side. When you're bottom pretty much of the whole NHL, I think maybe bar one, I think they're flipping, it's between them and the Canadians. Um, you're not expecting to lose to them at home, but it was a 2-1 loss. Fair play to the Yotes. They got the, they got the win. No one expected them to. We were pretty awful. But look, that's the way sport goes. Sometimes it happens and it's those teams that can cause, it's the smaller teams that cause the upsets like that. Um, I think as well, another big result, it was the Capitals and the Pens. Um, and the Capitals were involved in a couple of big results this week that's just gone by. And the Pens were on unbelievable form. Sullivan has got the guys playing really, really well. Crosby, Rust and Gaznetso especially. Those guys are flying. There's been breakout seasons from people like Evan Rodriguez. But four games now without a win. Are the wheels starting to come off for the Penguins a little bit? You saw it towards the end of last season. And in the playoffs, they struggled against the Islanders. Is that side now just gone past this point where it's going to be successful? Look, personally, I don't think so. I think they've played really, really well this year. I mean, the 4-3 loss to the, to the Capitals in overtime. It was a brilliant goal from Orlov that won it. Uh, it's actually up for goal of the week. If you head over to the Instagram page, you'll be able to check that out. The winner will be announced a bit later on in the show. I think the Pens will be fine. Uh, I think they're playing a good team. 
The Capitals are a great side. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs for sure, as I think the Pens will as well. Who will finish above who will kind of come to that when we talk through the standings. But I think both sides are good. I wouldn't be worried if I was a Penguins fan. I think it's a little blip in the road, um, a little bump, as they say. And I think going forward, I think the Pens will be just fine. I think they're making the playoffs. I actually think they get top three in the division. Could be a sh- in with a shout of winning it. But we'll see how the season goes. But I think they'll be absolutely fine. I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Pens fan. But it is four without a win. And you've seen that stranger things happen. The wheels can fall off and you never you never know. Another big result around the league. Like I said, the, uh, the Capitals were involved in a couple. They were involved in a crazy game with the Oilers. Uh, where they were 3-0 up at home. Um, the Away, sorry. The Oilers were 3-0 up on the road to the Capitals. The Capitals brought it all the way back to 3-3. But two late Ryan Nugent Hopkins goals. In the third period, win that for the Oilers. Massive result for them. They have turned it around a little bit in the last few weeks. I think you've seen them have a little bit more grit to their play. Even when McDavid's scoring has been down, they've got dry cycle. I mean, a team like that, they've just invested in Evander Kane as well, who, yes, despite all of his problems, is going to be a healthy production player for the Oilers. He's going to score points on a line with the Oilers, with the talent that they've got, and with people like McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nurse and Tyson Berry in that lineup, they're going to be winning games. They're going to score points. And I think there's a big, a lot of pressure on them this year. I think they need to get it right because you cannot have, I go back to the two again, but you cannot have arguably the two best players in the whole league in Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, last year's MVP, most years MVP, to be fair, he's that good. Um, you can't have both of them in the team and not be getting past the first round of the playoffs or not even getting into a wild card position in the playoffs this year. It will be a major, major letdown if the Oilers do not make the playoffs this year. They are sitting outside a wild card spot at the moment. Like I said, they've turned it round a little bit. Will they make the playoffs? I'm not 100% sure. I think it's very, it's all well and good being top heavy and having the offensive firepower that the Oilers do. But when the back line just doesn't have that defensive now, doesn't have that quality, in my opinion, that I think some of the other teams in the conference do. You look at the top teams in the West, you look at people like the Wild, you look at Vegas, you look at the Avs. Their decor is really, really good. It's solid. They don't concede a lot of goals. The Oilers do. And yeah, you can try and outscore teams all you want, but when it comes to the playoffs, look, the Avs, I'll just give us as an example, we found out the hard way last year. We were good defensively, but we, we went into games thinking, yeah, we'll outscore teams. It doesn't work like that. You come playoff time and teams knuckle down. They get harder to beat. And it just goes to show that even against, like for example, like I said, the Avs versus Vegas, people would have probably fancied the Avs. We finished top of the league, but Vegas knuckled down. Their defence was better than ours and they beat us and they got through. It just goes to show that if you don't have that decor there and you don't have that quality on the back end, you're not going to win a playoff series. And as the orders are showing at the moment, you may not even reach the playoffs, which I think would be a major disappointment uh, for the Oilers fans, for the Oilers team. And it just goes goes to say, how long will those two want to be there? I made this kind of point the other day. I was talking to a friend about the Avs. Obviously, look, we're a good side, but I was sort of thinking, how long is McKinnon going to want to stay if the Avs go out in the second round again? How long will Dreisaitl and McDavid want to stay if the Oilers continue to perform badly so we'll have to see it'll be interesting to see how the Oilers go on like I said they've turned it around a bit recently so we'll have to have a little look see how they get on and see what the second half of the season brings for them now another team that is always under a lot of pressure like the Oilers another Canadian team when it comes to playoff time is the Leafs I mean it's it's amazing with the offensive talent 
that they've got the likes of Matthews and Mana, um, Morgan Riley on the on the back end that they struggle to get past the first round every year. Now they were involved in a huge seven one win over the Devils. Now the Devils aren't a great side, but the Leafs they look they look good at the moment, having a good season. And I mean the two star men they're on a tear. I mean Austin Matthews. What more is there to say about the man? The guy he won the Rocket last year. I think he's going to win it again this year. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that because there's probably a lot of Ovechkin fans throughout the listeners. I think Austin Matthews is top five players in the NHL. I'd even potentially put him top three with um, McKinnon and McDavid. I think he's that good. He is just on a tear at the moment. And Mitchell Marner. I mean, the guy gets a lot of hate uh, from his performance in the playoff last year and he gets a lot of stick. But the guy's on a seven-game goal streak uh, more points in that game leads them to a 7-1 win and I just think those two combined I think the Leafs if they put together another really strong second half of the season I mean they're going to be a lock for the playoffs it'll just be a case of whether they can win their division potentially win the conference and yeah see if they can get past that first round this time it'll be interesting to see but yeah a big 7-1 win for the Leafs over the Devils which actually leads on to the next one. And a big bit of history uh, for the Kraken. So one of the big results this week was the Kraken, Seattle Kraken, getting their first shutout in franchise history. Obviously, the NHL's newly inaugurated 32nd team this year. And Philip Grubauer, who they signed as a free agent from my guys, the Avs. He was brilliant for us last year, excellent keeper. Has struggled this year, admittedly. Now, I think a few goalkeepers this year, goaltenders have struggled a little bit with potential new defences in front of them that just aren't quite as strong. Now, look, the Avs' defence last year was rock solid. It was watertight. It didn't let We didn't let any goals in. Now, Grubauer was excellent. He came in the top three for the Vesnia voting. But was a lot of that down to the defence in front of him? And I think you'd have to say, based on the performance in the start to this season, first half, you'd have to say yes. But congratulations to him and the Kraken. A 3-0 win over the Islanders for their first uh, shutout, like we said, in franchise history. Is that going to be the first of many? Will it kind of help them turn their season around? I kind of did a little poll on the page to um, to kind of see what you guys thought. Are the Kraken going to be able to turn it round? I mean, it was a very, very resounding no chance that they're going to do it this season. But I think it puts them in good stead and just little things like that help teams kind of push on and kind of build a little bit on the second half of the season. And look, they're probably not going to get playoffs. I am one of those who thinks, yeah, no chance. But you never know. A strong second half of the season, they might just kind of creep up the standings a little bit, get a bit closer to that wild card spot and next year make a real push to kind of get in. And the last kind of big result that I wanted to talk about this year is, um, sorry, for this week is the Minnesota Wild 5 nil over the Chicago Blackhawks, getting a little bit of revenge on Marc-Andre Fleury, who was just lights out in the playoff season series against them last year. The Wild, look, I can't sit here and be and lie to you guys. I don't like them. I'm an Avs fan. They're probably our biggest rival now in terms of teams that we don't like. So I don't like the Wild. But as an NHL and a hockey fan, you've got to respect them a little bit. They're just quietly, quietly going under the radar Wins here, wins there. They've got Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, Hartman. They've got guys that are doing really well. Dunbar on the back end. Talbot in goal having another really good season. He was excellent in the All-Star games as well. They're just putting together a really nice season, just like they did last year. I think they're going to come top three in the division. Again, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think they're going to make top three. Look, people saying that my abs are sitting pretty at the top of the, top of the central division. They are. 
Wild win their three games in hand. There's only three points within it, and we've still got to play each other a few more times this year. Anything could happen. Do not write the Minnesota Wild off of winning that division and going on a bit of a, a run this year. And maybe even being a dark horse in the playoffs this year. You don't know. I'd hate to see it, like I said. But they could be a dark horse in the playoffs this year. We'll have to wait and see, find out. But like I said, a big 5-0 shutout win of the Blackhawks, who obviously, on the other hand, are really struggling in the Central Division this year. I thought I actually thought after last year, I mean, one of my best friends is a Blackhawks fan. We kind of talk about it every day. Um, and going into the season, look, Seth Jones, we all know what he is. He's a good defender. He's not a great defender. He will make a lot of errors, but he will score you a lot of points. He wasn't really what they needed. He, For me, they replaced Duncan Keith to sign someone who is Duncan Keith and arguably only a little... He is better than Duncan Keith now, but he's not a... He's just the same player. Duncan Keith, as he got older, but just became that. He was there for the offence, had nothing going for him defensively. Um... And I think that's what Seth Jones is. Don't get me wrong, he is better than that. I'm not saying Seth Jones has nothing going for him defensively. That would be wrong. He's arguably been one of their better players this year, but he's not going to be the answer. And Fleury again, like I said about Grubauer, finding out that with a bit of a weaker defence in front of him, is it as good to stay consistent? His numbers obviously aren't as good as they were with Vegas this year, and the Hawks are struggling. They've got two excellent players. I think Kane and DeBrincat are... Top 20 players in the league. I really like to bring out the cat, as the Hawks fans call him. He's um he's a talent. He's a very good goal scorer. You saw that in the All-Star game. His finishing, his hands, um, just his playmaking ability as well, just to be able to kind of get down low, get into the positions where you're going to score goals. And he makes things happen. And I think him and him and Patrick Kane, they're, they're the two shining lights for the team. But Jonathan Taser's come back this year. You can tell he's been out for a while. Doesn't look the same player. Hopefully he can come back stronger. I love Jonathan Taze, one of my all-time favourites um, since I started watching the game. But yeah, they don't look as they don't look good this year. I thought they might do do all right after last season. They've just missed out on the playoffs, went on a good run, but no, not quite working out like that for the Blackhawks. But we're talking a bit about the standings with some of these scores. Let's kind of get on to that now. So to kind of give you the run-through of how things are looking at the moment. So in the Eastern Conference, in the Met Division, we've got Carolina sitting on top. They're actually tied with the New York Rangers on 64 points. And you've got Pittsburgh Penguins kind of leading the rest of the... Um, kind of chasing the rest of the pack on 62. Now, I think Carolina, uh, they're looking really strong. I mean, defensively, they are just fantastic. 98 goals against... Uh, it's just phenomenal. Uh, they're so watertight at the back. They've got five games in hand on the Rangers. They've got four on the Penguins. And they're tied on points with the Rangers on 64. And two clear of the Penguins on 62. I think they're going to win that division. So I think my first prediction for the year in terms of the the divisions in the Met, I think the Hurricanes win that division. I actually think they win it comfortably. I don't think the other two are as good. Definitely not defensively. Anyway, I know the Penguins have uh, have improved a bit this year in terms of what they're conceding, but they're um they're not as good as the Hurricanes. Neither of them are. I think they win that division. Uh, I actually think the top three stays the same. Uh, I think the Rangers have got a really good team. They've got Adam Fox uh, at the back end. They've got arguably the best goalie in the league right now in Shesterkin. Um, at the back, I think they're a really solid team. I think they come second. Uh, I really like the Penguins as well. One of my best friends is the Penguins team. I think the look of their team this year is really good. But I just don't see them finishing above the other two. I think the other two have got a little bit more quality uh, just to kind of keep them above. But I think Penguins will finish third. I think they'll be comfortably third as well. Sorry, Capitals fans. 
uh, and Boston fans. I know you didn't want to um, want to hear that, but uh, I think the cap. I think the um, the Penguins will finish third. Um, I think in the Atlantic Division. Um, I don't know why I said Boston there. They're not in the same division. Um, but I think Capitals fans. Yeah, I think you guys are getting a wild card spot. I think the top three is locked in now. In the Atlantic Division, um, you've got the unbelievably good Florida Panthers. Now these guys are just. They're just a steamroller of a team. They're just they're putting up five, five, six, seven every other game. They're led by Huberdo. Who, who would have thought going into the All Star game that Jonathan Huberdo would be leading the league in points? What a player! Phenomenal talent. Uh, they look good on all ends. They've got depth throughout the lineup. They score goals. They don't let a lot in. They're just a really solid team. Sixty nine points. Tampa Bay. Two-time champions, Tampa Bay in a row. Will it be three? I mean, Stephen Samko said in an interview before the start of the season, we don't care about the regular season. We just want to get in. Once we're in, we'll show you what we're about. And the, the Lightning are just doing what you expect them to do. 66 points. Uh, game in hand on Florida could obviously pull it within a point if they win that. And yeah, I think the top two are looking very solid. Again, like I said, the Leafs coming back into it as well. They sit third on 61 points. Um, and again, similar to the Met division, I don't think the top three will change. I don't think anyone else is good enough to quite crack into that division, to quite crack into that top three. I think those three are looking the best. In terms of the order that I think it will finish in, I actually, uh, look, call me deluded, but I think, look, the Leafs have got four games in hand on the Lightning and are only five points behind. I actually think the Leafs are going to push Florida for the division. I think Florida are good. I think they're going to win the division. They're actually a potential for winning the President's Trophy as well, which I'm going to get onto in a minute. Um, but I think they're going to, Florida and the Leafs will finish t- uh, one and two. I think it will be Florida one, t- uh, Toronto two. And I think Tampa Bay will finish third. They'll finish comfortably third. I don't think anyone else is getting close. Uh, but again, I think they finished third. Like I said, Stamco said it himself. Tampa Bay are just a playoff machine. They just want to get the job done. Whether they finish first, second, third in their division or one or two in a wild card spot, they're not going to care. They just want to get in. And once they're in, it's hard to look past them at the moment as repeating champions. But we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later, my predictions for the Stanley Cup playoffs and who I think may be the champions. In terms of the wild card... Uh, again, I just think the Eastern Conference not quite as exciting as the West in terms of where I can see it going. Now, I know the Islanders have got loads of games in hand. I think they're the only team that if they can sort themselves out and they can kind of get back to playing how they were last year with watertight defence, really good offensive production from some of their star players like Matt Barzell, I think they can push it. Do I think they get that, that first or second wildcard spot? I don't. I don't think Detroit or Columbus or Philadelphia are anywhere near good enough to kind of push Boston and Washington. At the moment, you've got Boston, Boston sitting on top at, sorry, Washington sitting on top at 59 points and 47 played. And then you've got Boston on 55 and 43 played. I don't think any of the teams are good enough to catch those two. I think those two are pretty much a lock on. Like I said, maybe the Islanders, they can put a run together. But even then, I think it'd be a, a tough ask because of how poorly the Islanders have started this year. In terms of where I think they'll finish, look, the, the Bruins have got four games in hand on the Capitals. There's only a four-point swing. You've, you've got to win those games. Of course you do. You have to win the games you played. I think the Capitals, and again, one of the reasons why I don't see them finishing in the top three is they lose too many games. They win a lot of games, but they lose too many games. They're very good at taking the games overtime. 
but 13 losses on the season and nine in overtime. That's 22 combined for the season in terms of games they've actually lost and not won. And when you put that compared to 25 wins to 22 games that you haven't won, it might be enough to get you into the playoffs. And I think it will be. But I think they're finishing second in the wild card. I think they finish second uh, as a wild card position. And I think Boston finishes as that top wild card team. Now, to kind of round out the conference, like I said, with my predictions, I think the Florida Panthers are going to finish on top of the conference. I think they finish number one. Uh, and I think, obviously, based on that, they then play the Washington Capitals in the first round of the playoffs. I think Carolina, I think they finish as number two in terms of the rankings. They win their division. They finish just behind Florida. I know they've got a few games in hand. I know Hurricanes fans are going to be shouting at me. No, we're winning the conference. I think the Panthers are better. I think over the long haul, they've got a lot more depth and a lot more star quality to oust the Hurricanes. This is my opinion, but I think they're just a bit better overall. And as I said, I think you'll have a Rangers-Penguins first round and a Toronto-Tampa Bay first round. In Now, moving on to the Western Conference, where I think things get a little bit more exciting. There's a couple more close races in terms of who's getting top three, who's getting those wildcard positions. Now, we're going to start with Central Division. Uh, where my team play, the Colorado Avalanche, they're currently top, 44 games played, 68 points. And like I said, the Avs are having a really, really good season at the moment. Scoring loads of goals. I'll be honest with you, look, from an Avs point of view, I don't think the defence has been as watertight as we'd like. There is still a lot of errors going on in games, but when you've got the power and the the quality that the Avs have got up front, it does kind of show through. It's why they went on the 10-game win streak why they won 18 in a row at home and I think they are probably the best team in the Western Conference maybe the best team in the NHL like I said earlier I think they probably are uh, on their day they can beat anyone whether it, they can do that come playoff time it's yet to be seen like as an Avs fan it's been painful watching those second rounds for the last few years but look who knows maybe this will be the year but we're talking about division standing as they are right now they've got a couple games in hand on second place they're eight points clear I think they're looking good at the top. I think in second, you've got Nashville, who are on 46. Games played, 60 points. And rounding it out, you've got the Wild on 41 games played and 59 points. Now, I like, I like I mentioned earlier, I think the Wild are a really good team. I actually think that the Wild are going to come second in this division. They win their games in hand. They're only three points behind the Avs. I think it will be a battle between those two for who finishes first and second. When it kind of comes to Nashville... Now, I mentioned in the previous podcast that I'm going to be talking about teams that I think are overperforming, underperforming, where I think they'll last. Now, look, Nashville were having a really good season. I can't take that away from them at all. I think Duchesne's really kind of broken out. Forsberg is obviously a very good player. They've got Yossi, one of the best demon in the league, and Yuri Soros, who is just a very, very good goalie. One of the few goalies that is under six foot in the National Hockey League, but is performing really well. I think he's he's very much up there with the best in the league at the moment. But... I think all round, I think Nashville's squad just isn't quite as good as some of the others in the division, including those top two there. I think the St. Louis Blues are a better side than them. And yeah, whilst the Blues are a couple points behind at the moment, it's only about three points. I think the Blues in the long term will finish third in the division. I think they, they leapfrog Nashville and I think Minnesota leapfrogs them into second. The Blues leapfrog them into third and I think Nashville drop down into a potential wildcard spot. But... Very, very tight between those three teams there. I think the Wild have a few games in hand, like I said, so I think they'll get closer to the Avs and push more for the division title. Um, 
I think it will be close between the Predators and the Blues. I think the Blues just have a little bit more quality, a little bit more playoff now as well about getting in there. And I think they will leapfrog Nashville and get that third spot. Now, in a slightly in another interesting division, the Pacific Division. Now, look, Vegas are currently sitting on top. You'd expect that. They were very good last year. They've been solid again this year. Not quite as good as last year, but they've been very solid. Good addition of Jack Eichel. When he's back fit and playing, they will be a real force. But they sit top 46 played, 57 points. Now, the two big surprises in the division were two teams that last year were really, really bad. And that is the Los Angeles Kings and Anaheim. And look, I don't, that's not a knock when I say they're bad. They're young teams. They're rebuilding. They've both got a lot of young, very talented players with high potential ceilings. But I just don't didn't see it coming. And I think they are teams that right now they're overperforming. But you've got to give credit to them. I mean, 47 games played for the Kings, 55 points, just two points off top. And the Ducks, 48 games played. Um, and again, 55 points, just two points off top. Yeah, the, the Vegas Golden Knights got a few games in hand, but you'd expect that. But And you'd expect them to win it. But for them two to be up there, you've got to take your hat off. But like I said, I think they are overperforming. I look, I'm gonna have I'm sorry to say it, Kings and Ducks fans, I don't think you're making the top three. I don't I don't think either of you will make the top three come the end of the season. I think if either of them will do it, it will be the Ducks. Having seen them play a couple of times this year when they have played the Avs, I think they've looked quite solid. Troy Terry is having an animal season. Zegras looks like he's gonna be the best player in the NHL if he carries on um the way he's going. Uh, with the talent and skill that he has, um, and maybe a slight over-exaggeration, but the guy looks really good. I think the Kings may just fall off. And I think the way I can see that division going is I can see Calgary, who have got games in hand, they've got five games in hand, they're on only three points off uh, going into the top three of that division. I think they finish second behind Vegas. So I think Vegas are a lock-in at one. Um, I think Calgary will finish second. They could push Vegas for first. I think they'll just finish second, though. And I potentially, whilst they're a few points off, they've got five games in hand on the Kings and six on the Ducks. I think the Oilers, if they get it right, and I think they will to push to the playoffs, I think they will finish third in the division. Like I said, I think it'll be really, really tight between them them and uh, the Ducks. I think the Kings will still be up in and around it. They'll be pushing for that, uh, for that third spot, but I don't think they'll get it. But when it kind of comes to the wild card spots... This, for me, is where it gets really interesting because whilst I don't think that the Kings and the Ducks are good enough potentially to get top three, I think they're definitely, definitely good enough to get a wild card spot. But it gets difficult because you've then got Nashville, uh, you've got the Ducks, you've got the Kings, and I actually think you have Dallas and potentially San Jose who are going to be in and around asking the questions as well. I think... Winnipeg could if they put a run together they've got the games in hand do it I'm not sure if they've got enough I think it's the same with the Canucks as well I think they've done a brilliant job since the manager change but do I think they have enough quality there to go on and really push into the playoffs you don't know they could do look I could be proved wrong guys I last year I predicted the who I thought would win the Stanley Cup with my mates I thought the Flyers would win it look what happened there don't listen to a word I say but I'm just thinking, for me, I think it will be the Nashville Predators will get that first wild card spot. And I actually think it will be the the Anaheim Ducks. I, I, look, I, I think the Stars have got a good chance. I think San Jose have got a good chance. But I just think the Ducks have just got enough. 
uh, to get in, sneak into that last wild card spot and make it a really interesting like sort of bounce back season for them. And look, they're a rebuilding side. If they can get playoffs rebuilding, then who knows what the what kind of the future holds for them. So to kind of round that out for the West Conference, that would be Colorado sitting on top. Uh, I think they do finish above the Wilds and they definitely finish above Vegas for that first spot in the Western Conference. I think that which sets them up to play the Ducks. I think, uh, I think <coughs> excuse me, I think Vegas obviously win their division. So they play against the Predators. And then I think it will be a Minnesota Wild St. Louis Blue first round. And I think it will be a Calgary Flames versus Edmonton Oilers first round, which would make for a really, really exciting playoff series. Um, and yeah, we'll um, we'll see how it goes. Now, kind of just moving on to my last little predictions about the divisions before we move on to the All-Star weekend. Uh, we've kind of got our division winners, our conference winners, our wildcard teams. I think the one thing that I'm looking at this year as well is who's going to win the President's Trophy, the famous President's Trophy curse. Do you want to win it? Do you not? I mean, it came back to bite us last year. Now, being honest, I think there are three teams that I can actually see winning it. Like I said, there are a few teams that I think potentially could push people close. Like I said, I think the Leafs will push Florida close to the division. I think the Rangers or the Penguins could push Carolina for the division. I think the Wild could push the Avs. Um, But I think the three teams I could, at the moment, I can see winning it is the Avs, is Florida and is the Hurricanes. And right now, if I could put my money on anyone, I actually would put my money on Florida. I think they just look a different outfit this year. Really, really strong. And right now, I think they're the best team in the NHL. Them and the Avs, I think they will, though, I think they'll finish higher. But whether they'll go as far in the playoffs, I'm not sure. We'll have to find out and see. Now, before we kind of jump into the All-Star game itself, just want to hand out our weekly awards. Like I said, we're going to be doing weekly awards here at Rinkside. We're going to be handing out a Player of the Week, and we're also going to be handing out a Goal of the Week. Now, we're going to start with a player. There's a few options to choose from. Austin Matthews came very close. Mason Marchman came very close, both having really good weeks. But my winner this week is going to be, and congratulations to Mitchell Marner, Guy's been excellent. He's on a seven-game goal-scoring streak. Big contributor to the 7-1 win over the Devils. Great skill player. Exceptional passer. Very good goal scorer. I think he complements Matthews very well. Obviously, Matthews is going to get the credit for his goal scoring. But like, I speak to a few Toronto fans, and a lot of them say, yeah, his play in the playoffs wasn't very good last year. But without him on that line, Austin Matthews isn't quite as good. And so I think, yeah, he's our player of the week this week. Now, Goal of the week. I've been floating a few of these around on the Instagram page all week. A lot of people have liked Kadri's goal. Dylan Larkin's goal got quite a lot of likes on that one as well. A lot of people were liking that. He cut across the keeper well. Uh, Kylington's goal for the Flames. Uh, great passing move. But I kind of settled it down to two. And it was Stutzel for the Senators. Um, and Adam Pellish for the Islanders. And I'm going to edge it to Pellish. So congratulations to him. Uh, that goal there in the four, in the, in the team's four one win, I just I'm just a big big fan of tic tac toe passing, and I thought the passing was excellent on that. Then it when it got down, for a D man to kind of have the composure in front of goal, just to settle the puck down, 
sort of feint the keeper out, take it round him, and then a gorgeous little backhand top shelf. That was our winner for goal of the week. So congratulations to Mitchell Marner uh, and Pelic on player and goal of the week. The first of many to be handed out on this show. Congratulations to you guys. Now, on to the All-Star weekend, where there was some brilliant moments where we saw Kirill Kaprizov take his jersey off um, and swap it for an Ovechkin one. We saw Zegras, um, or Zegras, sorry, uh, do a blindfolded shot. I mean, the man's just full of skill and tricks. I mean, there's no shock there. Jack Hughes getting the kids to come onto the ice with him and imitate his backhanded OT winner, throw the stick into the crowd. <coughs> it was all great to watch. Um, obviously, the results, the Metropolitan Division beat the Central Division 5-3 in the final. Claude Giroux, potential mover Claude Giroux, come the trade deadline, won MVP. Is he just adding to what the Flyers might be able to get in return for him? Um, but I think the big thing for me that I wanted to talk about with the All-Star weekend was actually more of on a negative point. Um, and I don't know what you guys think, and I'm really kind of hoping that you guys kind of come back to me on this and kind of give me your thoughts and feelings on it. And I've been speaking to a few of my fellow Avs fans about it as well. I feel like the All-Star game is kind of losing its thrill, its excitement. I was watching it the weekend. Yeah, there were some great moments and some really nice goals, but it just didn't seem as exciting as it has done in previous years. Now, I mean, I don't know if that was just because the atmosphere was a bit subdued or was the atmosphere subdued because it isn't exciting anymore. I think watching that game uh, and those games at the kind of at the weekend, that the skills competition is always fun, but watching the actual games itself, it just didn't have the same kind of feel and excitement to it as it has done in years gone by. Now, I kind of point this to a few things. Now, my opinion on this is, and I know a few players around the league have voiced their opinion on this, including McKinnon uh, and Brad Marchand about player selection. Now, I completely get that the NHL is a business. It is something that they need to make money off of. And the league has obviously realised that to make more money off of the All-Star game, <coughs> apologies, um, you get a player from every team in there. And it means that more fans will be interested. They'll go to watch the game. They'll buy tickets. They'll buy merchandise. And I get that. But in terms of an actual spectacle and what you want to see, if it was up to me, there is no way that every team should have a player represented at the All-Star game. I know a lot of people are kind of like contrast to this. I think they think it's great that each team gets to see... um, like that one of their players representing the, representing the club but I just think like kind of like McKinnon said like this it's an all-star game it's not a participation event and <clears throat> I think that might be why the all-star game is kind of losing a little bit of its its thrill and its excitement because the best players aren't going I mean you just kind of read off a list just to give a couple of names Sidney Crosby it didn't get picked for the all-star game Brad Marchand doesn't get picked for the all-star game Miko Rantanen, who is one of the best right-wingers in the league, doesn't get picked for the All-Star game, doesn't even get in the last man vote. I mean, how can you have an All-Star game without one of... Like, without Those are three of the best players in the league. And it baffles me that you'll have players like those that aren't going, and this is no disrespect to these players, but players from like the Coyotes and the Sabres and the Canadians who are all having awful seasons... Why are players from those teams going to the All-Star game and three of the best players in the league, like I've just mentioned there, 
are missing out. I mean, just another example. Nazem Kadri, top three in the league in scoring this year, had to be a last man voted in. Roman Yossi only got picked for the All-Star game because Nathan McKinnon got injured and had to replace someone. Same with Jake Kuznetsov because Zibanejad couldn't go. <coughs> um, you look at that, Yossi and Kuznetsov, off the seasons they're having alone, are guaranteed no questions asked All-Stars. They're top players in the league. Kadri, the season he's having, it shouldn't even have been a question. But the fact that these guys aren't getting in and kind of like it's been said before, like the fact that other players are because they have to get a player from each team in, for me, I don't like it. And that's not just me saying it because I want 15 Avs players on the in the Central Division team. <coughs> I get that, I don't. But when players like Mika Rantanen, who for the last few years has been one of the best players in the league, uh, Sidney Crosby, who is Sidney Crosby, no more needs to be said. Brad Marchand, the same kind of thing as Rantanen, where those players are just top, top players. They need to be at the All-Star game because they're the best. And I think, yeah, the NHL will never do it because it doesn't won't make them as much money. But if you went back to the way things were before and you picked the best players to participate in the competition, whether that meant a team had... Six, seven players at a game and whether some teams had none. <laughs> it's just the way it works. And I think it would be a lot more entertaining. I personally would enjoy it a lot more because you're actually seeing the best players. You're not just seeing kind of like, like they say, like players that are participating there to make it more exciting. Now, look, I get there's a flip side of that. And I get that if you did that, certain players wouldn't be able to go there and make a name for themselves. I mean... But personally, I know he's a good player. <coughs> Apologies. Um, I wouldn't have had Jordan Cairo at an all-star game. But the guy came in, he won the speed skating competition. Um, he was excellent in the games. He scored a few goals, got a couple of assists. I think he was on two goals and three assists. <coughs> Apologies, by the way, guys. I've got a little bit of a cold, so excuse the coughing. Um, but the guy ended up doing really well. So I get there is a benefit to it, but... I think as a whole, looking at the way the crowd was reacting to a lot of things, the the just the atmosphere within the building, it just didn't sit right with me. And I, I just think for myself, I don't know what you guys think, but the All-Star game has lost its kind of <coughs> it has lost its kind of kind of fun factor to it and it does just kind of feel more like a participation event. Let me know what you guys think. That's my opinion. I don't know what you guys think, but I think it could be improved. Now, for the final part of the show, which I'll try and get through without dying. Like I said, apologies for that, guys. Um, like I said, we're going to be doing a special series each week. This series is kind of going to be focusing on, in my opinion, who I think the top five players are in each position. We're kind of going to be running through it, like I said, going through the goalies, defensive players, right wingers, left wingers, and of course your centres. I may even throw in a little managers one in there as well, just to kind of break it up as well, because I think managers are so important in the game nowadays as well. I think I will do that and throw in a little managers one in there. But we're going to start this week called first edition of the series, and we're going to start with the back end, your goaltenders. One of the most important positions in the team. Without a good goaltender, you are not going anywhere, especially not in the playoffs. I think a lot of teams found that last year. I mean, I know my team did, the Avs, when we came up against Vegas, that when you've got a team that has a great goalie that will just play on his head, as they say, um, and are just kind of making saves out of nowhere that you just don't expect, it goes a long way and it helps you be successful in the regular season and in the playoffs and can lead to a really good Stanley Cup run. So 
I'm going to count down who I think are my top five goalies in the league. Going to start with some honourable mentions, though, because I think there are a couple of guys on here that were really unlucky to miss out. Uh, the likes of Campbell from the Maple Leafs, uh, Kerry Price. Like, I know guys are a little bit split opinion on Kerry Price. I think he's one of those that, so yeah, in the regular season, sometimes he isn't amazing. I know he won the MVP a few years ago, um, but it really kind of like stands on his head in the playoffs when the Canadians do make it. He was a big reason why they got to the Stanley Cup final last year. So I think he has to have an honourable mention. I'm a massive fan of John Gibson of the Ducks. I think the guy is just phenomenal. I think he will be the best goaltender in the NHL in a few years to come. I really do. I just think he's got all the ability. And I think if you put him on a team that, look, the Ducks are doing well this year. And I know they're improved, they've improved a lot. But I think if you put him on, let's say, like a, like a Carolina or a Colorado or a Tampa Bay or like a Florida Panthers, I think you just, even a Vegas, like you just see that man's numbers just elevate to the level they need to be to win a Vesnia. I mean, look at Grubauer last year. He he isn't the best goalie in the world, but playing on a really solid team, the guy was top three in the Vesnia voting. And I think it just goes to show. I think the other two, and I think for me, the two probably the most unlucky guys to miss out um, as a whole uh, on the top five is Semyon Varlamov. He's been brilliant for the last few years since he moved to the Islanders. Um, and Shesterkin, who right now is right up there in every category for the goalie stats in the league right now, really kind of kind of taking the Rangers' really good season on his back, along with some of the other really good players that they've got. But he's been kind of a standout for them, um, the big goalie there. So those are my kind of honourable mentions that I think are really unlucky to miss out. The way I'm going to kind of do these top fives, guys, is I will give honourable mentions... Now, the five that I'm going to kind of go through here, it's not just based off this season. It's going to be based off the last few years, just what I've seen, uh, players that I just personally like as well. So, look, throw some shade back at me. If you think that I'm wrong, let me know. I'm going to be posting this on the uh, the Rinkside Hockey page, guys, on Instagram when we announce our winners and the podcast goes live. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what your thoughts are. So, starting at number five, it has to be in. He has to be in there. A little bit of a down year with the Blackhawks, but I think he is one of the best goalies in the league. He proved it last year with the Vesnia Trophy, and that is Marc-Andre Fleury, the flower as his nickname. Guy currently has a career save percentage of 9.13, a 2.56 career goals against average. Like I said, he's the Vesnia winner from last year, and he has 506 career wins, which is third all-time behind Martin Brodeur and Patrick Raw. And there's a really good chance that um, that Fleury could catch Raw for second. I don't think anyone's going to get near Brodeur, uh, but you never know. If Fleury continues playing at the level he's at, playing at, there's no reason why he can't get close. I think number four now, I think this is a bit of a, again, like I said, I know a few guys are going to be questioning why some of those honourable mentions didn't quite get into the top five. Um, but number four for me is Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames. Um, I mean, the guy's got seven shutouts already this year. I just think as a whole... I think he's just a really solid keeper. I think you have Markstrom on your team and you have got an excellent, excellent backstopper there. I think he's number four for me. He's not quite cracking the top three, but I think the guy over the last few years has proved consistently that he is not an issue for that Flames team. They're, they have issues elsewhere, doing a little bit better this year, but he is the main kind of consistent point that they have there. And I think that he is a great goalie. 2.73 goals against average career, 9.11 save percentage. He's a really good goalie, and I think he makes up number four for me. Now, kind of moving into the top three now, I know, again, this is going to be a bit of a controversial one, and I know I'm probably going to hear a lot of fans say, way too early to say this, Jury Saros 
is Juicy Saros, sorry, is number three for me. He's the third best goalie in the NHL. The guy is phenomenally good. He carries the Predators on his back a lot of games. He's the main reason for me why they currently sit second in the Central. I think he is the third best goalie right now and as a whole for the last few years in the NHL. I think he's a shoo-in for the Vesnia uh, finalists this year along with Shesterkin. I think the guy's phenomenal. He already has a 9.27 save percentage, 2.35 goals against average for, from his career. I mean, the guy's just a, a standout player. I think if you ask t- players um, around the league who the who the kind of goalies are that they, they put in their top five, I know he'd get a few mentions, especially from those guys in the central division because they play against him more often. And he he's just outstanding. Like He will win games on his own for the Predators. And I think he's a big reason why they're doing so well. I just love the fact that he's not conventional either. I mean, the, like, like with a lot of sports... You need a goalie to be quite tall, quite big. Um, and I know in obviously football or soccer for the American fans that like the goalies are usually kind of like six three, six four, six five plus, and that's no kind of exception in ice hockey um, and in the NHL. But Jerry Saros, Jerry Saros, sorry, is is five eleven, so he kind of goes against the grain. But he's just so good, so flexible, and I just think he um, he makes saves that sometimes you think how on earth has he pulled that off and. When he gets going, it's very hard to beat those Predators. I think if he can keep his form up and they can kind of get a little run together, they'll be a tough team to beat in the playoffs if they get in. Because uh, I think with him in goal, I think they'll be extremely difficult to beat. Now, kind of moving on to the top two. Now, I think if you follow the NHL quite closely, I think the top two kind of pick themselves. Uh, it would just be a case of who's one and two. In my opinion, I don't think it's that close. Uh, and I don't think it's a very kind of hard argument. In number two, I've got kind of Hellebuck. Winnipeg Jets, it goes without saying, he's arguably on his day the best goalie in the league. He's absolutely fantastic. He's the Jets' best player by a long way. Um, Kyle Connor's good. Um, I know Shifley's a good player as well, but he's their best player. He's the reason why, if they are going to make a late run for the playoffs and kind of get back into that wild card position, he will be the big reason for that. He will carry them on his back. Um, and I think number one goes without saying, he's the best goalie in the league has been probably for the last four or five years now, and that's Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I, mean, I think I heard a stat the other day, an incredible stat, that he, in a game, in a series winning, in a Stanley Cup series winning game, um, he's got shutouts in the last two of them. So to shut a team out to win the Stanley Cup, it goes without saying, I know the defence is involved in that, but he's just fantastic. I mean, in his career already, 2.47 goals against average, 9.20 save percentage. The man's just an animal. And I think for myself, I think he's the best in the league. I don't think it's that close either. Um, I think he'll be up there again for the Vesnia as he was last year. He finished second behind Fleury. I think he'll be up there in the top three again. Um, so I think my top three this year as it stands, I think will be Shosturkin, Saras and uh, Vasilevsky. Which one of those will win? I think at the moment, I think Shosturkin's going to win it, but um, Vasilevsky's always going to be up there. And all the while he's playing at this level, he will always be up there. So for me, he's my number one. So round out the top five, like I said, number fi- in fifth, we have Fleury. Fourth, we have Markstrom. Third, we have Saros. Uh, t- second, we have Hellebuck. And number one, the best goalie in the league is Andre Vasilevsky. 
Guys, thanks again for tuning in this week. That kind of brings the episode uh, to a, to an end. Uh, next week, we'll kind of be diving into another top five series where we're going to be going through the top five defensive players in the league, the top five D-men around the league. I know this one will cause a lot of controversy, a little bit more than the goaltenders were. I think they, some of them are pretty self-explanatory, but I think this one will sure to raise a few eyebrows, get the people talking. I know there's a lot of hot debate in the league right now, especially between a, uh, about three of them, which I think a lot of people... People, depending on the fan base of which team you support, you're going to go for. So it'll be interesting to see what you guys think, what the top five is. Obviously, we'll be doing our player of the week, goal of the week. So stay tuned for that on the Rinkside Hockey page on Instagram, previewing some of those goals where our winner will be announced next week. We'll be going through all the scores on the doors. Um, and so talking about the general news around hockey, we'll be having a good chat about that. So tune in next week, guys. Look forward to seeing you then. Guys, thanks for joining me on this week's edition of Rinkside. I've been your host, Tom Swing. Look forward to seeing you guys next week.